Hi, my name is Jonathan Mann. I'm one of the many Matts. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things now and together. I feel like snaps. Yeah, snaps. Together. It's like, hmm, yeah. So uh, today, I, we are very honored and excited to have on the podcast Austin Roby. Um, he of, I first met Austin through Ampled, his uh, Patreon competitor that is cooperatively owned by the artists and the uh, devs and the patrons. Um, but Austin is also a man about Web3. If you listened to our blockchain socialist episode, I think that this will probably be a a companion episode to that because Austin comes from the same school of thought and um, there's so much that he's doing and so much to talk about, including his new project called MetaLabel. Welcome, Austin. We're happy that you're here. Hey, it's, it's cool to be on uh, <laughs> one of my favorite podcasts. Woohoo! Wow. Um, so... Yes, let's. There's so much to talk about, especially I want to talk about Ample and Ample's uh, beginnings, mm-hmm, but also mm-hmm. mo- movements into Web3 or not, and then talk about Meta Label. But you brought up this thing that I'm, I'm totally down and would love to talk about, which is um, Bandcamp's sale to Epic Games. Oh wow! The com- mm-hmm. the the company behind Fortnite, I mean the company behind That's the you most know, bizarre Unreal acquisition I've ever Engine. heard of. Yeah, it's very wow. strange. Um, well, yeah, let's just start here. Like Austin, you you said that you were seeing some some lukewarm bad takes. What were the takes that you were seeing <laughs> specifically that were making you be like, ay ay ay? And then follow that up with the chaser. What's the right take? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I think they were responses that were, let's, let's, uh, you know, see how this plays out. Let's be open-minded. Yeah. There were people that just, that still extend the benefit of the doubt to Bandcamp, but more people than not that just intuitively get that, oh, this is a bad thing. Uh, I'm not sure how this will turn sour, but this doesn't feel like a way to steward the interest of the independent music community. Totally epic. Um, not Great with the track record there. It just, yeah. I mean, they're a, a gaming company. I, I honestly don't know that much about Epic. Um, but I think most people are, are asking themselves, well, what does each side get in this? Um, mm. what, as if, yeah, as if it's kind of like trading NBA players or something like that. <laughs> but I think it's just really easy to sum up. It's just Epic wants to increase shareholder value. Yeah. Um, Period. End game? of story. That's yeah. it. Wow. Yeah. There, there are many other ways to kind of slice that and, and see how that helps them do that. But th- that's really just the end of the story. Hmm. Um, and then Bandcamp, um, is is an interesting company that has been profitable has been pretty vocal about not wanting to sell hmm. um is has only raised one round as far as i know um of venture capital funding way back in the day and they're 14 years old at this point i think they wow. raised 1 million dollars which is which is a very small amount in the context of raising. I mean, Patreon's raised hundreds of millions of dollars at this point. So that's almost nothing. Um, So I think the the key, the the, the key thing there is they were, they're profitable. They've been profitable for years, years and years. Right. Yeah. And I don't think they had uh, uh, outsized, ambitions beyond the kind of utility that they were serving. I don't think that their community necessarily wanted that much more. Maybe it's a a volume slider, which uh, for some reason doesn't exist. Um, (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) What is highly specific and common feature for them to choose not to put in? But anyway. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, but yeah. It seems like a good um, case of like the degrowth mindset where it's like, hey, this is a thing that does what it wants. It's profitable. It survives in a capitalist hellscape. It does things for users that people like. Why did they sell? Well, that's, I mean, a, a good question. I, it's almost certainly money. I, I, yeah. I think I mean, like, <laughs> this is yeah, kind of probably. the, this is the case that, um, that Ampled has, has made as the case for collective ownership is aligning interests. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's very uh, natural for the founders at some point to want to cash out and to rationalize that because that's, mm-hmm. that's in their interest to, to do so. Um, and, 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 a, and it's exhausting, right? I mean, you have to like, you have to give them credit that like running a company like that for 14 years Oh yeah, with all, right. everything that 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 comes with that is is got to be like one of the most exhausting propositions. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. there's a certain so you have to hand a, that to them. You, yeah, here's a payout. Go surf. Like it's kind of right. hard not to think about it, even though you're you know you were vocal about not selling in the past. And I guess that's yeah. a great point: is the users don't necessarily have uh, input into that decision. No, or any insights into what the ownership structure. Looked True. like, or any mm. seat at the table for that decision making process. I kind of see well intentioned people that really had no accountability to their community. There was no right. town hall. There was, there was, um, you know, I think um, maybe uh, the if I have a hot take on it, I think that the community itself is partly at fault for not holding Bandcamp mm. accountable. Uh, mm. That there was, there's during during COVID, especially in the initial days, it was seen as this foil to Spotify. Like, let's put this amazing. We have this amazing thing called Bandcamp, and they have Bandcamp Fridays. But still, you know, I was tweeting this out at the beginning of COVID, being like, "Who yeah. owns Bandcamp? What? We're not asking these questions." And I think even if one tenth of the effort to try to reform Spotify was just directed at trying to protect Bandcamp or have the founders feel like they're more accountable to their community wow, uh, yeah. would have been better served. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's like where where to spend your energy, like because it's so much smaller, because the, you know, and actually one of the founders um, uh, worked at Bennington College, which is where I went to school. And so I've met him a couple times um, and so like, to me, like the people at Bandcamp and I spoke at a conference with Ethan Diamond who founded the company, like they're not like these, these like, you know, like Daniel Eck is this crazy multi-billionaire who just exists on a different plane of existence from us plebes or whatever. And, but, but the Bandcamp people are just, they're, you know, they seem much, they're, they're so much more, um, tangible and like, and like relatable. And so I totally get your point, like you know, you direct a little bit of like heat towards them. Like, Hey, what's going on? Like, like, you know, yeah. Then that would be way more absorbed than into like the death star of Spotify. Yeah. I mean, they're normal, cool, seeming chill guys. They probably listen to Depeche mode. They have (laughs) a record collection. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I think that it's the kind of personality or goodwill that, that people achieve. Um, mm. and I just don't think that that's enough. I don't think that, that being, um, a, the most benevolent yes, like, right. dictator is the yeah. best. Yeah. That's not, uh, I th- like, I think there needs to be levels of community accountability that extend beyond just the personalities and, and goodwill, um, yeah. and integrity of founders who hold this in the mm. hands of, uh, they hold, you know, this this ecosystem that's a very important utility just in their hands, and they could mm-hmm, sell it mm-hmm. at any moment. Um, yeah. Right. And I think like that's that's a that's a challenge. I think it's people just we weren't asking who owns Bandcamp. We weren't yeah. like we weren't trying to you know get us a, a seat at the table. Um, and and the lack of um, transparency around their fundraising around their ownership. Just goes to show that they didn't feel like they were they really had to say that mm-hmm. to anybody. No, totally. And they didn't have to. And yeah. and and that's a problem, you know. Mm. Um I, there's like a, a real good example of the don't be evil, can't do evil spectrum. Right. Yes. It's like 
with the current situation is goodwill, don't be evil. And what would be much more preferable is some sort of can't be evil situation. Yeah. Um, there's a real connection here, actually. And I, I, I tweeted about this, like, and, and, and Austin, you, you might disagree with this on, on a bunch of levels, but like between this sale and the other big sale of, yeah. of CryptoPunks to, to Yuga Labs, Tis the season um, of acquisitions. B- because, because, um, and so just for context, like Matt and I, back in the day, you know, back before they were multi, multi-millionaires, um, we knew Matt and John, I mean, we had them on the podcast from Larva Labs. Like we knew them, you know, in the same way that like, in the same way that you were describing, like, you know, Ethan Diamond and Joe from, from Bandcamp, like they're just, they're just guys. They yeah. listen to Depeche Mode and like, you know, and like, that's what Matt and John were. They're just like a couple of nerds, like genuinely, like, see, like super nerdy, voices. nerdy nerds, you know, and they created this thing that both Matt and I like really loved of CryptoPunks. And it's so funny because Bandcamp, you know that I care about a thing when I write a song about it, okay? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Bandcamp in 2009, I wrote a song about it. I loved, I was like, Bandcamp, this is the best thing ever. Like it, it was truly revolutionary of, of like, the, 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 it was like the perfect site that I was looking for of a way to sell my music. And then I did the same thing for CryptoPunks. These are things that I just like genuinely love on like a deep level of like art and a website for me to sell my music. And to have both of them be sold to these like insanely, oh, you, you know, like one, two punched, just like a one, two punch of like <laughs> these like super heavy duty corporate right. entities. They, they don't feel like they have personality and like the, the, the vibe does not match. Yeah. And, and the bottom line change is completely changes. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, it, it always seemed to me that Matt and John and Bandcamp were in it for something other than the money. That, that, you know, everyone needs money to live, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, like, that was not the bottom line. It's not about shareholder value. Whereas, right. you know, Yuga Labs is taking money from, uh, what you call it, Andri- Andreessen Horowitz. Like, Certainly. like that, shit's, that ship has sailed. Like, that is a, that is a mm. profit-driving machine. And mm-hmm. now any consideration that anyone that loves CryptoPunks, any consideration that anyone loved Bandcamp gone out the window and in both of those instances and here's where we can maybe shift into web3 stuff it's like in both of those instances austin what do you think about like obviously in the case of larva labs it would have been easier but in the case of bandcamp could they have done something like a like an exit to community how could they have done that and like what what would that have looked like yeah yes yes they 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 could have i there aren't that many precedents for it being done. And the disappointing thing was Bandcamp was in that unique sweet spot of a company that actually would have um, been really well positioned to do that. Um, They had less complexity when it comes to ownership because largely, as far as we know, they don't really share, but as as far as we know, it's very likely just the vast majority of shares are in the hands of founders yep. enough that, and there's, there are groups out there, you know, pushing for this idea of an exit to community where it's a third path to traditionally two very limited paths startups have of either going public, which I don't think that's ever in the vision of Bandcamp or selling to another company. And the idea is you, you turn over ownership to the community that, that could be workers. It could be users or artists. I think a much more straightforward case for Bandcamp would just be turning it into a worker cooperative. And um, yeah, I, I do see that as possible. I know that uh, Meetup and the founder, Scott Heiferman, was considering this another before they sold to, to WeWork. Um, <laughs> and I, I had actually the opportunity to make the case directly to Joe from Bandcamp Whoa. about this idea. Um, I was. Oh, on I saw panel. you tweet about that. I saw you tweet about that. Yeah, right. I was on a panel with Joe from Bandcamp and representatives from Kickstarter and Patreon, and I was uh, singing the same same song that I that I always do, which is just it comes down to ownership, um, and that's what actually aligns interests at the end of the day, and that. Um, um, investors don't have the same interest as artists. So when investors own platforms, then you're going to get 
misaligned interests. And I connected with Joe after the call and yeah, and advocated for an exit to community. Just, you know, these are founders with gray hairs and asking, are you thinking about retiring? Like, is there, is there a, a, a secession plan for Bandcamp once the founders like are, are no longer there to run it? And um, yeah, advocated for this idea of an exit to community. And I think, you know, specifically just in the, in the context of their own self-interest, that I just thought that this would be an exclamation point on an incredible legacy. I think oh they would god. be heroes if they. Oh did my this. god! The like creating this anti-corporate utility for independent musicians, and then now it belongs to the community. And the thing is, that doesn't preclude them from getting a payout. There are still groups that are willing to finance, um, a, like a leverage buyout um, for groups of workers there there are groups i think lining up because they just really want to see a successful uh case for an exit to community and so this is this um, is what i was gonna Joe ask was, was really warm yeah. on the idea yeah this is what yeah, i was, was gonna really ask warm about the idea. is like is like could there be an exit com- to community and the payday you know and the payday maybe it's not quite as big or something but like they could still all get the you know the uh the the prize or whatever that you get for having ru- built and run this amazing thing for 14 years what would that look like 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 uh, you know i have this in my mind of like in web3 we have these ways of doing it where the value can flow in a certain way because of the tokens or nfts or whatever it is but in a more traditional finance ways what 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 would that look like there'd be a group like a group, a group of musicians and everybody would get together and pool capital and, and do it that way? Or what would it look like? Well, yeah, there are, um, there are groups that specialize in cooperative conversions, hmm. uh, which is, uh, you know, there's, it's actually like a, <clears throat> a larger trend uh, outside of tech, um, which are aging, retiring baby boomer owners of companies who don't necessarily have family that are willing to carry the torch and continue right. this business. Right. And so once those founders retire, then you're left with workers out of a job. You're left a community without that particular uh, service right. um, or goods. And so there's there are groups that actually like specialize in, in this transition and the financing to allow say someone that runs a factory, a, like a small like manufacturing company to, mm-hmm. to, to transition to the workers that are there every day that know how it runs, that, yep. that care for it, that have like a personal emotional investment in this thing succeeding. And <laughs> yeah. that makes so much sense uh, as a way oh to carry God. something forward. And yeah, there are, it, yeah, it's through just, leverage like like a, a way to like an intermediary that basically provides funds to the exiting founders um and then provides ways for the company to kind of like pay back and purchase that that ownership i mean in the case of right in the case of larva labs it was so much more straightforward right it's just like like a token or something or like first of all i'm sorry matt and john i love you guys but like from my perspective that Mebit sale alone was like was what like 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 a hundred million dollars. It was like a lot of money. A lot of money. So like they're doing okay. Like they right. had their exit, you know. So it would have been really easy for them to don't transfer ownership to Yuga Labs. Transfer ownership to us. Like we really care about this about like CryptoPunks being well taken care of and being special and like mm-hmm. there's so many people in the community who do so much already for it that was like very straightforward it sounds like in the case of bandcamp there are there there, there are all these paths i just i wish uh, i wish that they had gone that route I, like like in like you said bandcamp was like in this really unique spot there's not many companies mm-hmm. um that have as much goodwill among the people that use it, everybody loves Bandcamp. Like everybody who uses it, it's just it's a it's a it's a it's utility. an institution. It's yeah. it's a it's a it's a straight up utility like of the internet. Um, like you said, the the 
yeah, it was so consolidated, like the number of people that, that own it. So that's like easy. There's such a great spot. It's so disappointing. Let's transition. Well, anyway, if, did you have something else to say about that? No, just they were profitable. They were in a, they, <laughs> they, they, they were profitable. Yeah. 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 There was no, there was no forced hand. Mm-hmm. Really? How many, it, how many startups are probably, you know, how many, like, how many startups? I mean, Spotify isn't profitable, is it? By like by any stretch? I have no idea. But yeah, I don't think it is. It's it's like this is one of those. Patreon's not like none of these. No, yeah. I mean, Bandcamp is it's highly defensible. It has a ton of inertia. There's mm-hmm. an all the kind of Web two network effects are working right. for it as a moat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, it's not. It's definitely not going anywhere. But the dynamics are likely to to change. And I think. Uh, the the thing is, none of the community that actually built that has any say. Exactly. Yeah, it seems like a good corollary to the the discussion around Patreon when they raised another round or had to change their product a bit. Is like, yeah, because they took VC money, they have to grow. It has to get bigger. It must 10x, or it was a failure. Whereas with Bandcamp, this is a good example of the other case where it's like you don't have to. 10x you don't have like you raised a million dollars you can probably pay your investors back 10 million dollars over the next like x years from revenue and have like a completely you know solo owned thing like it it doesn't have to grow in this like um sort of perversely capitalistic way and so it's like yeah kind of sad that it did anyway or not did anyway but went that that exit path yeah yeah i would like to think if i was in that position i would just take yearly dividends take some smaller million dollar yeah. check and be much more happy with the legacy leaving behind i mean it's 14 years of of heart and soul invested in something just it, it i feel like it would be painful to to sell on the one hand i hope that bandcamp continues uh and is the same bandcamp that we know and love yeah on the what's other the hand, optimistic case like what What's the optimistic the, case, I think, is always basically that nothing changes would be the optimistic case. But, like, how many acquisitions have we seen where right. a giant company swallows up smaller company and it works out? Like, the, like I don't I, – I, I struggle to think of any, really. Like Yeah, um, no. It's definitely easy to be pessimistic. And I was hoping for the optimistic case. But, yeah, I, I also can't think of a situation where I'm like, yeah, Epic is going to really, really do something good with this property. It doesn't – it doesn't come to mind. <laughs> let's let's transition. I have I don't know why I have this uh, I have this butter knife at my desk, <laughs> and I've just been like waving it around during calls, <laughs> and people are like, "Why am anyway?" Um, let's transition to Ample now, which is a which is a cooperative that you founded, um, Austin, as a cooperative from the from the get go, um, and you. You settled on the sort of Patreon ongoing patronage model as like the 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 sort of ca- the case study that you wanted to do the sort of the idea of like here's our co-op, which is wonderful. And so tell us a bit a bit about Ampled and and how it's going and where 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 it's been and where it's going and and how it's how it's been. Yeah, uh, uh, Ampled is like a Patreon for music specific to music. Um, formed as a co-op. So it's one member, one share, one vote. We have bylaws that outline ownership, uh, who's eligible to become an owner and the kinds of associated um, financial and decision-making rights um, that are associated with that, as well as a, uh, a, an elected board of directors that helps steward our, our mission and strategy as well. We started building, I think in 2019, early 2000. 19 um, pushed a product out the door I think just <laughs> slightly behind the patreon rush of of uh, covid which is a little bit disappointing oh yeah but uh, it's it's been great I think it's uh, like a, a a small but very enthusiastic community of, of artists and I think it's it's uh, it's a nice choice that artists have that I think is like it's a choice that people make about just doing something that aligns with their values. I think, I think, you know, the conversations that we're having about Bandcamp, about other acquisitions, about Spotify, sometimes we just feel trapped as if what other constructive 
alternatives are there. So I see the value of Ampled. You know, we have uh, I guess over a hundred, I guess, owners in the like artist camp, and I think uh, it's uh, it's really just about demonstrating an idea that's possible. I think the the kind of um, impact that we have is less about scale and how big this can be, but how impactful it can be for people uh, that are in our community. And also just ideally just expanding imagination on what our platform economy can look like. They, it, it's pretty easy to imagine a fork of this for other communities. Oh, totally. The, our bylaws are written very intentionally in plain English and there's cartoons just to, you know, I think if, if we make any impact, um, I'd like to just have us spur several more successful cooperatives. And I'd be really happy with that. And, and right now, you know, it's maintained largely through a small collective that is very passionate, works nights and weekends. Like it really is more of like a collective passion project. Uh, there's no investor ownership whatsoever. Um, and it's self-sustaining as it is. So it depends on how you define success. It's definitely not the biggest platform. You know, if you're comparing on startup kind of metrics, it's, you would probably say it's not financially successful, but I think there's also just opportunities to consider like other ways of measuring things besides how much money and how big it can get. Absolutely. Big fan of that. Yep. I always like to say and point out like, um, you know, like a like a doctor will have like their PhD on the wall or something or like a, you know, or like a, a massage therapist has their certificate of like massage school. Like on my wall, I have my like my Guinness record thing and I have my ampled ownership uh, certificate, you know, and that's like my that's, that's cool. my wall of credentials, you know, <laughs> Um but but I can say like as an artist that like what a what a like what a wonderful feeling to to know that like this this thing that I'm using where people are paying me for the work that I do um, that they enjoy I get to be a part ownership a, a part owner of that that's like a very it's a very powerful feeling yeah um, I'm just connecting that that we're head. not used to. That like I've never had before, you know. It's a totally new feeling. Yeah. In the case of Ampled, it's not necessarily something that it, like ownership to people doesn't necessarily mean a financial payout in the end, because we're saying that there's no there's there's no acquisition like on right. the on the right. horizon. It's more of um, like a a clearly articulated social contract values that this that this is not like this has uh codified ways for the community to actually have a say in how it runs including picking leadership electing representatives uh not getting rug pulled like band camp i think <laughs> that it's, it's a you know this is it's just like a, a common theme of like it goes all the way back to MySpace selling to Rupert Murdoch, yeah. right? Like we just don't have any control over what, like the direction that our platforms are running. So it's, it's, it's more of like a, yeah, it's a social contract to that. This thing will always be stewarded by its community. That sense of ownership feels extremely uh, important. It's one of the things I call out with uh, like the magic of NFTs is that you feel like you own a digital thing. And it's occurred to me that I've not actually felt that feeling about, or rather that I would feel that same feeling when it comes to a co-op. I've never actually been part of a co-op and I won't count REI here um, since it's basically just a a discount program, but um, that feels like it would be just as transformative in my mind is this like sense of ownership. And that feels like a huge, huge important thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, the reason for joining is a lot like the reason for supporting an artist on a platform like Ample, there's there's this uh, emotional benefit to doing it where there's, there is an emotional reward to, to supporting an artist and not expecting anything in return. And there's also um, this reward for knowing that you're participating in, in something that's bigger than yourself and your actions are helping build up uh, something that can prove another way of, of doing things. And there's no, like, there's no (laughs) existing uh, power structures to help us on the way. 
There's no there's no funders lining up to fund yeah. cooperatives. There's uh there's no slots at TechCrunch Disrupt talking about cooperatives. There's no celebration of this form of collective ownership in tech until maybe recently. But yeah, no, it really is like a collection of people like making an impact by just choosing to be a part of this network. Speaking of speaking of the maybe recently, uh, t- t- tell us about. Uh, I know that for a while, Ample has been thinking about some kind of token or something having to do with Web three. Where are you? Where where is Ample with that? And what's the what's the um, what's the story? Yeah, well, Ampled was part of Seed Club's second cohort and, you know, was really more of a research project yep. than anything. And talking to Jess, who runs Seed Club initially, I remember just us acknowledging that out of any of the groups that are participating in this have the least clear path yep. to launching <laughs> a token. But sure. it, it felt like an interesting exploration. Um we had a time bank for everyone that had contributed to the project. We could query how many supporters any artists had. And it seemed interesting to think of, well, you know, just, just as the, the form of ownership that Ample has as a co-op is more about use case value than transactional value. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's great, but it's also limiting in that we're good at protecting ourselves from being exploited, but not as good at capturing that value. And in wanting to see this grow and knowing that there's really no existing financial infrastructure to help support what we're doing, like, is there a way to to use this tooling in a creative way that helps us be more self-reliant, that helps us be more self-sufficient, that helps people that believe in our mission to support it in maybe like a different way than directly investing or lending us money? So yeah, we, we explored this um, and have a full plan. We basically got to the finish line and put it on ice a bit. I think it's largely just about community sentiment. I'm really sent, uh, sensitive to not wanting to override the um, the will of um, of the existing community. And I think there's a lot of benefit of the doubt there. Um, and also at the time where we were really thinking about it, uh, we were planning on using Roll as a platform and they got hacked like several days before we were thinking about oh, launching no. something. That's right. And um, that honestly spooked me pretty hard. Uh, I think the Welcome worst case scenario... <laughs> right. The worst case scenario would be me pushing people along, gaining the trust of people, and then um, completely yeah. ruining it. Yeah. So I think at that time, and that was a year ago, but a lot has happened. There's There were less tools, more questions, like even less of a roadmap on how to do these things. So I would describe it as like, it was a good faith exploration that we had. And it's not that we won't do that, but I think it's like, we have been learning in public. And I think that it's, it's been interesting for other people to see as I've kind of written about this journey of like, could community tokens work within cooperatives? Could they be a way to help bootstrap cooperatives that would make starting something like Ampled easier next time? Yep. Yeah, and you wrote you wrote what is I think now like a, a famous art a famous uh, post within within um, <laughs> within certain circles that's quite famous, uh, uh, um, you know, com- comparing DAOs and and co ops and what they can learn from each other. Um, you know, I, I would say like from my perspective, it's like it's almost like Ampled Ampled is doing great and like is doing like like in all the ways that you've already described what it needs to do it almost at this point doesn't necessarily need that to- it doesn't need it right where whereas what you're describing is like maybe the next time someone wants to do it they can look at ampled and they can look at all the stuff in web3 and they can sort of decide like is this a direction is that is this the direction that we want to go? You would run in, I imagine, with Ampled, which is I'm in Seed Club now, and so many of the cohorts, so many of the people in are, have this problem of they have this existing uh, user, they have the existing people who use their platforms or use their services and things, and getting them on the train is difficult and fraught. Getting them on the Web three train because of because of all the you know all the stuff that we always talk about that is totally legit and and 
and we understand why people might be very skeptical. So um, I imagine you would you would run into that too. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of NFT doubt in our Discord. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. I think that if I think that Web two groups with existing communities can introduce yeah. a token. Yeah. Um, I think it just depends on groups like that vary between levels of complexity levels of like what the community um, will support. So yeah, I I don't want to say that it's not possible, but you're right. It is much easier if, if you start out this way. And I think like, well, no, I was just like, uh, it's, it's an interesting question of like, if you were to start something like Ample today, would it have been done differently? Maybe. I think uh, I see the Web3 landscape as a really interesting frontier to explore. Um, and I, I do think that it might be an easier way to, to scale collective ownership than what we've kind of done with Ampled, which is largely just punching through a wall without any, <laughs> any help for, for years. And yeah, I, I, I see Web3 tooling as a way to, to do something like Ampled, but possibly more effectively. To that point the difference between starting something outside of Web3 and bringing it in versus starting something um, Web3 natively, let's transition to MetaLabel, which you are also now again in Seed Club, um, but now this time with MetaLabel, which you have founded amazingly. It's like it's like a dream team of founders on MetaLabel. Uh, you have Yancey Strickler, who is the founder of, uh, one of those founders of, of Kickstarter, and and you have one of the founders of Etsy, is that right? Rob Kalin. I mean, that's insane. That's an ins- so so. Give us. I was trying to explain this to Matt the other day. I don't think I did a good good job. So yeah. tell us. Tell remember. I don't know if you remember when we had when we were out for uh, ramen or whatever. I was mm-hmm, trying to explain mm-hmm. it um, in Denver. Give us the give us the the rundown of what Meta Label is um, and what you're what you're aiming to do. Well, we've defined meta labels as like a label uh, would be for music or fashion, but for anything you can imagine like a cultural label that exists to resource its own kind of opinionated uh, cultural output and, and help see more of it out there in the world. And what we're doing is helping to resource more of these groups. So I see it as it's a collectively run network that through solidarity and and interesting experiments, often using Web3 Rails, find new ways for us to move past the single-player creator economy and into like a more multiplayer um, way of of resourcing cultural collective output. So yeah, I think um, this this idea of the moving past the creator economy is interesting mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. I, like I've, I've I just wonder what is like what's after Patreon? I think is a mm-hmm. question that a lot mm-hmm. of us have right now yeah and in my mind it's it's kind of going backwards possibly it might be rethinking the label form yeah. it might be new new ways of squatting up creating mm-hmm. guilds and using some of the new tools that we have available um to to do that so working working together in multiplayer mode to, to resource ourselves and each other yeah and uh so meta label is is in large way like a a think and do tank, um, gotcha. a lot of uh, editorial and research, as well as curating and supporting groups um, that kind of align with this this vision that we've identified. Very cool. I love all of these words. So many thoughts are coming to mind. Do you know the group Studio D? I, d- I don't. I would recommend a, 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 a good read Studio D's newsletter to everyone listening right now. It's really excellent. But when you say think and do tank, that is the what comes to mind. I frequently describe them as um, if IDEO and the CIA had a baby. It's <laughs> really hard to explain. So please do look it up. But I love that a lot. Um, it makes me think of when you're talking about like moving past the creator economy, but actually sort of you know, tying in stuff from before, it makes me think of like history as a spiral, um, where if you look top down, it looks like we go in circles and have that pendulum, uh, pendulum sort of movement from one side to the other or the expansion and contraction. But when you look at it on that third dimension, we're progressing forward, taking knowledge from the past, using new tools. And so there is a very, like, there's strong optimism in me for returning to 
previous modes of patronage or squatting up or these other like um, modes of interaction, uh, but with new tooling. Um, I think that's extremely optimistic. Um, or like, I, yeah. I find I that mean, one thing that I, I think is very interesting about Web3 that's emerged is this approach of community before product totally or uh, a community as a product. Yeah. I think friends with benefits is a really interesting example of this where the, the previous roadmap, which is pretty well defined is, you know, a small group of people like founders creating a product and building a community mm-hmm. around this product. Mm-hmm. And then that's owned by the founders and investors and this other, mm-hmm. this other way of doing things, which is build a community around an idea, a story, a concept, have those people come together and build mm-hmm. products with by and for that community that I think are much more responsive. And it just, it's, it's a, it's, it allows for like really interesting new explorations of business models. I think that's something in the air that we're all kind of hungry for. Yeah, yeah, totally. Especially when you look at the creator economy and you're like, okay, yeah, cool. The math didn't check out. It's like, this doesn't actually scale. And in fact is, you know, sort of increasing the sort of um, the power law of success. Um, It's like not necessarily any better. Um, Yeah. Flattening that curve of like, you know, uh, if you are an advertising based creator, uh, you need hundreds of thousands, whatever number of views. And obviously view viewership is a network effect. And so it's a very power law situation. Flattening that curve seems like a very, like the right direction to be heading with through whatever different means. Are there other examples inside of web three or out of, of the kind of meta label idea uh, like 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 groups that you can point to or that are like the this is you know outside of fashion outside of Mm -hmm. music here's a group that is ostensibly doing this they are curating you know releases the Mm -hmm. way these other the way these Mm -hmm. other things you can point to yeah i think an example that we point to a lot is mischief just drops that break the internet yeah um all the way going back to uh, things like the Royal Society, which is like a, mm-hmm. a group that helped uh, support dr- like during the Enlightenment, um, huh. like really uh, important um, experiments that that helped further science. Oh, um, I love so that! Think of like I a, love that. That's like the label. six. That's like the sixteen hundreds or something, right? When is that? That's right. like right. Oh, yeah. I love that. Ooh, yeah. Science um, so I think like really it's 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 interesting to to put some of uh, these ideas in in context and i think yeah. we're seeing a lot of these groups pop up now i think in in web3 especially shloms groups that shloms could be an example hmm. you know or pleaser dow actually could be an example too huh. you know versus Cur- versus i think i versus, mean like yeah think of think about groups that exist to further a point of view to like mm-hmm. expand the way that people yes. think about something and it's less about Ooh, like this it's it's less about making money but it's about pushing a point of view through releases mm-hmm. um and those kinds of organizations don't really neatly fit into for-profit no, or not. non-profit containers that right. we think of. So this idea of a meta label is something that, um, you know, we're looking to inter- introduce and ideally people associate with it. Yeah, we're a, a meta label. We exist to put out releases to further this point of view. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a squad of people that are that are putting out releases and um, and also like resourcing kind of like additional ways of supporting a particular cultural point of view. Totally. Yeah. Think and do tank is a really great descriptor. Now that I have some concrete, uh, examples in mind, that feels like a really accurate way to say that. Yeah. That's extremely cool. What a, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be the guy that asks, um, what's, what's like next, what's the first like concrete thing that y'all are doing? What uh, metal label are you spinning up? What ideas are you interested in forwarding? Obviously, maybe cooperatives. Yeah, I mean, we're um, we're building a community now of mm-hmm. of people that um, we're inspired by that are either running or participating in a lot of these kinds of groups, mm-hmm. and also showcasing and telling stories through an editorial effort, which will mm-hmm. be next. If you go to our website, metalabel.xyz, you'll see our own introduction post outlining our own. Uh, concept and thesis about this idea. Um, so be largely storytelling, highlighting other groups, um, helping contextualize their work and releases and story in an interesting way. 
I I would love for us to be able to tell these stories also in multiplayer mode, thinking about other interesting ways to um, permission groups of people to annotate or edit, say like um, an emergent Wikipedia page for groups, but but done in a way that is really thoughtful, contextual storytelling. Um, And then beyond that, building more tools and resources for this growing universe. So it's like starting off with community and, and storytelling and then transitioning more towards building tools and directing resources. I like that meta label is also a meta label for meta labels. <laughs> it's pretty meta. <laughs> if yeah. I had to give it a label, I'd give it the yeah. label meta. <laughs> that's really delightful. Um, that's yeah, it's cool. How did, how did, um, <laughs> How did you get chatting about this idea with the other two founders and how did they decide to hop on? Oh, board? I love this story. Yeah, what's the, mm. what's the intersection? This is a there? good story. Tell the Yancey story. I love that. That's a great story. Oh, how I'm, how I met Yancey. Yeah. Yeah. You told, you told me at, at, right. at, at, in Denver. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I just cold emailed Yancey like three years ago. Uh, just Yancey at Kickstarter or whatever. <laughs> whatever I, I think I found his email on his, his website. Um, and then was, um, yeah, just gave a little Learned about what Ampled was and said, you know, inspired by Kickstarter um, and the transition of becoming a public benefit corporation, but we're taking a different route. Uh, would love to get your feedback. And yeah, it just turned into Yancey becoming an advisor and we, we just talked regularly and got to know each other. And um, yeah, Yancey had known Rob and I think we're, we're riffing on interesting ideas uh, related to like a curiosity around web three stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I had already been kind of diving in pretty heavily into exploring some of the tools and, and communities and opportunities in web three. And so, yeah, it, it uh, turned into like a growing group of people just um, working on this idea uh, spurred primarily out of some uh, essays and drafts that Yancey had written that I think like, pair really well with some of the opportunities that we're, we're seeing of, of different, different forms of uh, people organizing together, different ways of creating new community models of actually doing things uh, together. Uh, so yeah, uh, just start off, at least with me, just emailing, which is like, yeah, I guess that's, that's really my cool. uh, advice to anyone is to send the email. And you were you were like a you were something of sort of a Yancey fanboy a little bit, right? You were like a big fan of his of his. That's how you. That's how you. Yeah, I mean, it. I read I read like articles. Uh, I didn't have a poster in my room or anything, <laughs> but above the bed. Yeah, I just love the idea that like that you were like a fan of his, and then and then you cold email him, and then right. and then suddenly you no, guys that's are, like, really great. And working together, yeah, yeah, that's actually yeah. really cool. Oh yeah, it's it's super fun. It's such a fun group, and the the people are great. And I, I'm I'm just so excited about having this sandbox to do meaningful work, and it's a lot of room to explore. And yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm really excited about about Meta Label. And ideally, it's you know it's an opportunity to take some of the the lessons from Ampled, which is you know still being maintained by a collective of people and apply that um to to make a group like metal label successful we are coming up to the end here because actually austin both you and i have to go to seed club because you're actually presenting today (laughs) at seed club you're you're giving a talk and i have to go listen to your talk so um (laughs) let's let's wrap up here um i want to ask though the thing that we always ask which is um, and I'd love to hear this specifically if there's any NFT projects that uh, that you've come across lately or just in general that you're a fan of. Is Are there any NFTs that you have been like a project or something that you've been like, ooh, that's cool. I'm really into that. Yeah, Not maybe to put you on the spot. The, the wrong podcast for me because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do have some <laughs> NFTs, but um, I think what largely excites me is are actually um, uh, NFTs not as art yes mm-hmm. but as membership or access so that's mm-hmm. that's what i've been most excited about uh our membership nfts any new models in, nfts that provide like uh have yeah you, like a go ahead yeah what um projects have like an interesting membership model using nfts that like you find interesting because i mean there's the straight up like just nft as access token sort of pull sweetie kind of thing 
Um, but is there something else that you've seen that's inspired you? I think Unlock Protocol is mm-hmm. interesting. It's basically a protocol thinking about uh, memberships uh, as NFTs and like a, a protocol that allows people to build interactive applications that could mean your uh, subscription to a service is recognized as an NFT. That that to me is is really interesting, and that's that's how we've kind of started with MetaLabel is like a, a non transferable NFT for people that you know initially can gain access to a Discord, but that uh, there's so many interesting experience Legos to build on top of that. That mm-hmm. I I uh, I kind of yeah I, I guess I think all the conversations that you had on this podcast previously about how interesting it is to have this new form of digital art ownership is uh, is is one thing, but yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how this applies to um, ownership of organizations mm-hmm. and in different kinds of experiences you can build on top of that when you carry with you your membership badge, your access badge. Yeah, we um our our podcast is coming out right before yours. It'll be out. You can hear it. I was going to say, when I hear with, a non-transferable NFT, yes. I'm now immediately. Yeah. Reminded, yeah, of yeah, we, we we had Evan uh, on of uh, from disco.xyz yeah, proven authority, and she talks a lot about um the idea of non transferable NFTs. But I will also say, Matt, that um, in my Discord, my the main guy who ended up who's ended up being the dev of Songadao mm-hmm. has also now become a dev of Bright ID, and they have just built the first what I think is like the first mass distributed. Um, non-transferable NFT <clears throat> via Bright ID. Yep. So it's not tied to your. It's a. It's an NFT that's not tied to your address. It's tied to your Bright ID. Interesting. Where does it live on chain? Okay. This, it lives. This is a hole, um, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It lives on X. It lives on Gnosis chain. It lives on XDAI. Okay. Well. Yeah. I. I really hope that they're using VCs and DIDs for this. Otherwise, they just reinvented a parallel standard. Yeah, interesting. It's interesting, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. Anyway. And I totally see the point of using like a non-transferable NFT as a grant, um, especially in a world that doesn't uh, integrate with the VC and DID standards yet. Yet. Yeah, it's, it's like a much more accessible mode. And we talk about that on the it's podcast. It's a first step. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a first but, step. Um, anyway, Austin, you can listen to that podcast. Yeah, and no, definitely. learn all about the non, the, the like right. the journey towards non transferable uh, right uh, identity, basically. Right, but in terms of membership, like I like what Songadao does, right? Like the song is also membership token, and there's a lot associated there. There's a whole thing, like that kind of that kind of like creative uh, use. I think is really quite good. Austin, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be late now um, for our for our oh, very nice. important date. Um, you can, you can follow Austin. What are you on Twitter? You are Austin Roby underscore. And there's also a, a meta label, meta label X, Y, Z. You can find that. And Austin Roby underscore. You can find me at song of day, man. You can sign, find Matt at one of the many mats, Matt, you want to take us out? Get nifty, everybody. Get, get nifty, nifty folks. Ba-da-ba. Oh yeah. You gotta get nifty. It's time to get nifty in here.